0: Welcome to the Apprentice to CEO podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping to take your business idea and growing it into something you can be proud of. As with any job or trade, we start as apprentices, but with hard work and vision, we can grow into CEOs. Each podcast will come with worksheets and other links to valuable resources, so don't forget to check the show notes. I'd also like to thank BCIT and BC Campus for the grant that is making this podcast possible. This podcast and all the worksheets attached carry a CC by Creative Commons license. So feel free to use as much as you need. Let's get started. In this episode, we'll be talking about estimation proposals and job tracking. This is based off the idea that you should never start a job or take a contract unless you know what it is going to cost you. Let's talk about exactly what an estimate is. Now there's some common types. There's a hard bid, a cost plus, a time and material, which is also known as T&M or a flat rate. Now the hard bid. This type of contract involves a total fixed price for all construction related activities. Lump sum contracts are used when a clear scope with a defined schedule and exact drawings and specs are set out with no expected changes. Cost plus. This is where a contract where a contractor is paid for all of the allowed expenses to a set limit plus an additional payment to allow for a profit. So they would basically tell you what your profit margin is. Flat rate, depending on your trade, you may have a flat rate. This is a fixed cost per unit, per square foot, per device installed, per linear foot. In fact, if you're selling things in e-commerce or in a like some sort of product in a store, flat rate would generally be what you're dealing with. And then we have time and material. This is an arrangement under which a contractor is paid on the basis of the actual cost of direct labor, usually at a specified hourly rate, actual cost of materials and equipment usage, and an agreed upon fixed add on to cover the contractor's overheads and profit. So, what's an estimate? Well, first off, it's not a guessing game, it's an educated guessing game. There's two parts to estimating a job. The first part is what's called the takeoff. The takeoff is a part where you quantify what's required to complete the project how long is it going to take, and what material is going to be needed. Now, in order to do this, you're going to have to acquire the documents. You're going to have to do a site visit. You're going to have to review the documents, look at the specifications for material breakdowns, look at the drawings for how the building to be constructed, look at the summary of work, discuss with the client on smaller jobs. Then from there, you want to build a schedule. Now, oftentimes when you're dealing with the reviewing of the documents or looking at the drawings, you want to do a site visit as well, if possible. After this, you build a schedule. You visualize the steps to completing the job. And this is where the art of it comes in and why some people have full-time jobs as estimators, and there's actually programs out there that can help you with this. Then you want to review the specifications for contingencies, some some things that you may not have accounted for that need to be cut or covered in there. Now, you need to also take into account your indirect costs or sometimes what is called soft costs. Do not neglect making allowances for these costs. Things such as permits, temporary facilities, cleaning, job office, office staff. Those are all things that you cannot charge out for, but that you still have to have. So when you're putting together your estimate, you need to roll this into your estimate. Once you have a rough schedule built and start, you can start costing out the labor, the materials, the fees, your overhead, which we'll talk about later on in this episode, contingencies and profit. Once you have that, you just basically put your numbers together and you have yourself an estimate. Once you have your estimate built, you want to put that into a proposal form, which we'll talk about later on. Now, we often hear a lot of questions about how do you build your hourly rate? Generally, if you're dealing with the trades, they're specifically, there are what the market allows you to charge, but there are ways that those numbers come about. And if you're in a specialized niche trade, it might be something that you want to think about. Now, one thing to think about that a lot of people forget about is the indirect costs. Indirect costs are costs that you incur, but you can't charge out for. You can't charge your client for your phone and internet bills, and you can't charge them for your truck payment or your insurances or your office space or your administrative support. It's so important that you consider these expenses into your price. For, let's give an example here. So after some research, you determine that your indirect costs are $2,000 per month. So you've added up your truck payments and your office staff and your cell phone and the rental for the photocopier, all that. So that works out to be about $2,000 per month in your indirect costs, which doing the math is about $500 per week. If you look at a 32 hour work week and you take, I'm basically basing that off of you're working uh, basically four out of the five days and you're taking an eight hour day just for billing and paperwork, $500 divided by 32 hours gives you $16 per hour. So in order for you to run this business, before you even charge out for your labor, you have to make at least $16 an hour to cover your labor, your indirect costs, right, not your labor. So what you want to do to get your base, your total hourly rate is, you determine your base labor rate off of, depending on your job and trade, your indirect rate plus your base labor rate, and you want to divide that by your profit margin. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of profit margin. So lots of people think that if I have a product that costs me $100 and I mark it up for 20%, I'll sell it for $120. Now just hit pause and take that in for a second or write that down. Again, you have a product that costs you $100, you mark it up for 20%, which works out to a 20% of $100 is $20. Then you sell it for $120 you could ask, what is your percent profit? People automatically will say, well, it's obviously 20%. And that's a big hard no. It's actually 16.7%. Now, let's see, let's talk about how we come about with that. With a markup, let's talk about marking up. Markup, if I had a $10,000 job plus a 15% markup, I take 10,000 times 15% is 1500. 10,000 plus 1500 means 11,500. So I, I could also go 10,000 times 1.15 gives me my, my price of 11,500. So to, to, when you're working out your markup, which is often what we do when we're dealing with materials, your cost times one plus your markup. And so what I mean by that is if I had a markup of 20%, it would be cost times 1.2. A markup of 15% is cost times 1.15. That's how we calculate out markup. Now, when we're dealing with our profit margin, we're going to take $10,000 times 15% profit. Now, when you're dealing with profit margin, what you're doing is you're taking that 10, 000, that sorry, that 85%, or sorry, that 15%, and you're subtracting it from 100. So you want an 85% margin. And then what you'll do is for your actual profit margin, this you're going to divide it by your profit margin so we're going to take $10,000 and divide it by 85% which is 11,764 so if we again looking at our markup if we marked it up at 15% we're dealing with a markup overall price all in of 11,500 but if we did it based on our profit margin of 15% or an 85% margin Then we're dealing with 11,764. So you see when you're doing your calculations, if you based it off of your markup over your margin, you have left $264 on the table. So again, remember, markup is cost times one plus whatever your markup is. So again, with 15%, it's cost times 1.15. If I wanna work out my margin, I'm taking cost divided by one minus your profit margin. So if I want a 15% profit, then what I'm doing is going cost divided by 1 minus 15, which is 85 or 85% margin. Back to our regular schedule program. Again, it's so important to know what the difference is between markup. Markup is the percentage difference between the actual cost and the selling price. Profit margin is a percentage difference between the selling price and the profit. Now your overhead rate. Sometimes you're going to be asked to provide your overhead rate. Now, this is determined by this formula. Indirect costs divided by direct costs times 100 equals your overhead rate in percentage. Determine what your indirect expenses are per hour, which we did earlier. Let's say it was it worked out to be $16 per hour, and determine your direct expenses per hour, and you divide them, and then multiply that by 100. Now, estimates should be quick to prepare. Not all estimates are gonna be successful. You need to have them as accurate as possible, but also have them out there as quick as possible. They have to be accurate for the job to be profitable. So if you go too high on them, you're definitely not going to get the bids. But if you go too low on them, you could get the bid, but you could also lose money. An estimate should also be understandable in its presentation. The client has to understand the entire breakdown. Every step of the job must be clear to the client and to the one performing the work. So there's three golden rules. You should, number one, always be sure of where you're headed. Number two, always be sure of where you're at. And number three, always remember where you came from. So I'm going to go through these three golden rules in the, in uh, detail here. So to always be sure of where you're headed. You need to be meticulous. As you build your estimates, make sure you record everything as you go. In this stage, you're focused on the material and the labor. The quoted items for big ticket items and subcontractors and contingencies. You should always allow a cushion for mistakes or issues as they arise. Always make sure that you've got yourself covered for permits and paperworks, And also make sure that you've got your overhead and your profit all built into that. So that's when you're building your actual estimate. Which brings us to always be sure of where you're at. And this is a, an area where many contractors fall down. Always be sure of where you're at means job costing, comparing the actual against the estimate. There's nothing worse than when you've gone through and completed a job, then added up all the hours, materials, money that went out, and found out that you've lost money on a job. At best, you could go and ask the client for more money, and they might agree. At worst, you're going to have to take a bath on it and actually lose money on jobs, and that can happen. So there's three things that can cause, cause overruns. Number one is underestimation of cost, which is why we want to make sure, and I know it's a lot of stress, but why you want to make sure that you have the right numbers in front of you as you're building your estimate. Another one is to use more material than accounted for. You have to make sure you leave some cushion in there because you know that some material is going to end up getting ripped out or it's going to be broken. You can't just, you can't dial these things in too tight. And then time factors, everything takes way longer than you think it's going to take. Now, job costing is as equally, if not more important as the estimate. The earlier an overrun is identified, the more time is available to offset the loss in other areas. So know where you are at all times during the project. If there's been a change in the scope of something unforeseen and something is coming up, you need to make sure that you bring that to your customer's attention as soon as possible. You don't wanna leave it for the weekend or I'll get to them next week or I'll talk to them about it in a month. If there is a change or a scope, cover it right then and right there. If there's ever a change, make sure you fill out a change order and get the client to agree and sign it. And you wanna do that as soon as possible. What I'll do is in the show notes below, make sure you check out, I will provide a link to a job costing and job tracking spreadsheet that I have built. It's got a Creative Commons license on it, so go ahead and feel free to use it as you would. But it's a great example of making sure that you're tracking your job as you go. So what you'll want to do with this sheet is, as you're doing your daily tasks on the job, the last thing you should do is sit down with this spreadsheet at the end of the day or at the end of every couple days and make sure you fill in all the information. Because this job tracking sheet will actually track to the estimate that you have built. So this will be an, it's an estimate job tracking sheet, the two and a proposal sheet, All within one. So take a look at that sheet. And if you have any issues on how to use it, please make sure you reach out to me at chad at BCIT, sorry, chad underscore flynn at bcit.ca. Now, thirdly, always remember where you came from. And you can almost hear Morgan Freeman's voice as we say that. Now, when we build our job costs and our estimations, our proposals and our job tracking sheets, We now have historical records, and they are a wonderful resource for future estimates. There is nothing more educational than experience. Record and collect labor time and rates. Record and collect invoices. This information is going to help you adjust your estimation methods in the future. Speaking from experience, being able to go back through previous estimates has been immensely helpful in getting estimates built quickly and accurately for the field. Now, when we're building a proposal, after you've crunched the numbers and put together your estimate, it's time to bring it to the customer. And this is very, very important. This is called the proposal. Your proposal should include at the very least a logo and contact information, the date, the customer information, the details of work, and make sure that it's not just a broad statement. Make sure you step through exactly what is being done if there's materials being included, any exclusions, the price and type of price. You should also include payment terms. Are you asking for 10% down, 50% down, 100% due upon completion? What are your terms? Are you doing a net 10, net 30, net 60, net 90? Also, realize that prices on everything go up and down and fluctuate. How long is this proposal good for? Generally around 30 days. Once a proposal is signed, it can become a contract. Now let's talk about the contract versus purchase order because this is often a question that comes up in many of the classes I teach. A purchase order is a commercial document issued by a buyer or your client to a seller, which is you, the contractor. If no prior contract exists, then it's an acceptance of the order by the contractor that forms the contract between the contractor and the client. Generally, you will see purchase orders used when you're dealing in the commercial fields in construction or you're dealing in industrial. Purchase orders, or POs, are typically used in the short term, generally less than a year, and a one-time basis. Contracts, however, are used for the procurement of items over an extended period of time, generally greater than one year, and may include renewal options. So, a contract's used when there are a complex set of terms associated with acquisition that go above the standard boilerplate terms associated with POs. Purchase orders are commonly used to purchase goods, Whereas contracts are frequently more used to purchase services. However, if you are in the service industry and you're going to go work for somebody in an industrial or a commercial background, generally what they will issue to you is a PO, a purchase order of which you're going to be basing all your time and materials against. Now, again, also a change order. Let's talk again about this. I've already mentioned it once, but it it definitely deserves more attention. Anytime a customer asks you to do any additional work or if there's any change to the scope or a change a change order should always be filled out and signed by both parties and that should be done as soon as possible. Make sure you don't forget to do it and make sure that your client doesn't dodge you on it because they will refuse to pay if there's no paperwork. Now, I'm not saying that clients are out to screw you to make sure that you don't fill this stuff out, but I am saying that sometimes people forget about things quite easily and you need to just cover everybody by making sure that you have these documents signed. Remember always, what measured gets managed. Now that you have an estimate and a signed proposal, it's time to get to work. So you need to do something to manage the work. You need to manage the man hours, the material costs, and the tasks. There is a bevy of different job tracking methods and softwares available. And what I would suggest is, especially at the beginning, is you use something simple. And I mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast where you're having something like Evernote or OneNote or Keep to track these things. Now, I will provide a link down below to a online course I've built that is, again, free on how to use your Evernote to track jobs. A great way to do it. Another way to do it, as I mentioned in the previous episode, too, is using Trello boards and Scrum methods. Very, very good Uh, tools to use so there's two sides to to management to project management remember this there's always there's a cost tracking and the task tracking you want to keep your finger on the pulse of both how much money is being spent on materials how much money is being spent on labor because those are the two when you add up at the end of the day go towards invoicing now in while we're talking about invoicing there are so many different methods and different types of apps that are out there for invoices that I'm not doing an episode on invoicing just for the sheer fact of the fact there's so much out there and it's a personal preference. You can go ahead and you can build yourself an Excel spreadsheet and use that as an invoice or you could go ahead and use QuickBooks as an invoice or invoice to go or any of those apps that are out there. It's so important though that you do have an invoice built. Now what is good about this job tracking spreadsheet that's down below is when you've done the job and you've tracked all along using the spreadsheet, you have all the information you need to go ahead and invoice. So a job completes on a Friday, by Friday afternoon you can send that invoice. Oftentimes what happens though, is people will not fill these things in and then you finish the job on a Friday and you spend all weekend pouring over receipts, adding things up to build the invoice. Make sure you're tracking your jobs so that when it comes time to invoice, you're ready to go. It is one area that I can guarantee that most contractors hate it's which makes no sense to me because that that is how we get paid we get paid by invoicing it should not be something that is a total surprise to you you should know exactly where you are at your job so that when you're ready to go you're ready to get that money that is owed to you now that's all we have for this episode Uh, if you have any questions at all make sure you're reaching out make sure you're using those show notes and those resources in the show notes and again if you have any questions at all please feel free to reach out to me Chad underscore Flynn at bcit.ca. Thank you very much. See you next episode.